How is everyone? Okay? How are you all doing? Okay? Good. Good. On your feet. We need to be on our feet. Youth, just so you know, I've asked if you can stay in this morning. I think it's going to be good for you to hear um, what I'm going to say. Let's raise our hands and why don't we pray that God will bless us this morning. That God will be with us. Lord, we love you. You are our great God. Lord, we say it was, it was an absolute privilege to worship you earlier. We thank you for your presence with us. I pray that you would flood in this morning. Would you grab hold of me this morning, I pray, and enable me to communicate effectively all that you've placed on my heart to say. I pray for us as a church that you would grab hold of us that you would fill us afresh of your Holy Spirit, that you would enable us to engage with all the truth that you want us to hear today. Lord, we thank you that we're your people. That's what stands us out from every other people on the face of the earth. It's the fact we're yours and that we're filled with your Spirit and that you know us and you've got plans and purposes for us. So I pray, come and have your way today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing and praying. I understand as well that Lawrence and Chris, well I know Lawrence and Chris are back because I welcome them. Where are they? Lawrence and Chris, where are you? Back from the south of France, it's great to have you with us. Although it is hard to welcome them, isn't it, really, with a full heart. You know, south of France, 20 degrees, wine and cheese and sat out on the veranda every day. No, I know it's been harder than that, but uh, it is great to have them, have them back with us. As Matt said, this morning is a, a very special morning for us as a church, because it's a gift day. It's our gift day. It's an opportunity for us to engage as a church in a slightly different way from normal. And as you know, if you've been around over the last few weeks, we've been getting ready for this for quite a long time. I think it's been sort of since... Since the turn of the year, really, I've, uh, been, we've been talking about it and communicating about it at different times. At the end of January, I spoke about the general principles to do with giving. And if you miss that preach, um, download it off, the, uh, off the, uh, our website, 31st of Janet. It was just the principles of giving and uh, what God says about money and possessions. And so this morning, just to put your minds at rest, I won't be touching on that today. And then, um, over the uh, subsequent weeks, I spoke a little bit more about the gift day and the, the plans we've got for the money and uh, what we're asking God for and what, as an eldership, we're standing before you and saying, uh, please give generously. This is what we want to achieve. Um, in particular, uh, rotating the meeting through 90 degrees and putting a petition through here, which we believe will help us as we gather to worship God. And it will help us as the word is preached. And it will be a useful tool to us as we look to reach Hastings and St. Leonard's and Bexhill. Because that's what we're about, isn't it, church? It's not about having a nice meeting venue. It's about seeing lives saved and transformed by the power of the gospel. And seeing the gospel go beyond where we've seen it go so far. 
You know, we are looking to go to regions beyond. That's why we're going to Bexhill Town Centre. <laughs> you guys are a little slow today. We're gonna, I'm going to have to work hard, aren't I? But that's, we're, we're about regions beyond. We're about where the gospel hasn't yet made it to. You know, <laughs> so if you're from Bexhill, I don't want to upset you. I'm go- I am going to have to work hard today, aren't I, just on, my, on what I say. But in all seriousness, that's what we're about. We want to see souls saved, lives transformed. That's what we're about as a church. We want a building that is functional and helpful to us, but ultimately, it's only for that end purpose, to introduce people to Jesus Christ and see lives transformed by the power of the gospel. Because we've got confidence in the gospel, haven't we? We've got confidence in the gospel. Why? Well, look around this room. Because there are lives transformed by the power of the gospel. That's what we're about. Now, this morning, it's advertised as God uses people like Barnabas. That's what I'm supposed to be doing this morning. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do that next week on Mothering Sunday. I suppose I could change it to God uses people, people like mums and stuff like that for next week, but God pe- uses people like Barnabas. But actually this morning, um, I want to change one word, and the word I want to change is Barnabas. I'm going, to turn it in, I'm going to change it to Joshua. God uses people like Joshua. God uses people like the Joshua generation. That's what God is into. God works through normal, frail, but gracious people. And over the next two weeks, I'm looking to finish our Encourage series by looking at Joshua and the community he served this week and looking at Barnabas as a man who followed God next week. So we're going to follow, finish the series over these following weeks. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 1. This week we're going to focus on the corporate. We're going to look at the people of God, God's people together. Next week, we're going to look at Barnabas as a man and individual lessons we can learn from his life. So Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1, and we're going to go just down to verse 9. I'm saying that for Liz's benefit, because that's not what she's got on her PowerPoint. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, sorry, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you, so I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three, Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. I feel this morning this passage has got um, significance for us as a church. I feel there's a now aspect to it. And I hope that that will come through as I look to communicate what God has placed on my heart. Now the starting point as we look at this passage is to understand that Joshua was on a journey with God. Actually, it wasn't just Joshua who was on a journey with God. The whole Israelite community were on a journey with God. It was a journey that had started generations before. Spoken to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But they were on a journey. They were about the purposes God had given them. And so as God speaks into this situation, he wasn't speaking into a static people, he was speaking to a people who were moving forward in God's purposes and God's plans. God had a journey for them. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know that today? You are God's workmanship. Do you know the hand of the creator is on your life? You're not here by accident. You're not as you are by accident, but God designed you, he shaped you, he created you, he knit you together, he shaped your personality, he gave you your gifts and your talents God's hands are all over you. And he has a journey for you as well. Not just for Joshua and the people. God has got a journey for you individually. God's got a journey for me. God's also got a journey for us as a people. He would call us as a church together. We are on a journey. I have a purpose for you. It extends past you personally. Joshua's journey, you see, wasn't a journey in isolation. It wasn't just Joshua floating along in his own little bubble, but Joshua wasn't in isolation. He was, he was part of a group. He was part of a community. His daily choices affected the destiny of other people around him, and it's the same for us today. We don't live in little bubbles. We're not sort of just float around and, hey, as long as I just keep everything within this little bubble, everything's okay. No, you're part of a community. You're part of a family. Both your immediate family, the one you were born into, your friendships, but the church as a whole. We're a community together. Now, if you sort of venture out those doors and maybe pick up a newspaper and read it, or listen to the TV and what's popularly spoken out there, people say things like, you can do whatever you want, just as long as it doesn't affect anyone else. As long as it doesn't um, have an impact in an adverse way on anyone else, hey, you can do whatever you want, as long as you don't infringe on anyone else's rights. That's absolute stupidity. Because I'm struggling to think of anything you can do that doesn't infringe on someone else. 
You, you, you're not born in, we're not born in isolation. I haven't been born, um, I, I didn't just appear in the North Pole and have no one else around me, therefore I can do what I want and it affects no one else. No, I was born into a family with parents and so automatically I've got links there and whether, whether the parenting was good or bad, that, that affects, that infringes on me. If you're a parent here today, you'll have children. Your decisions and the way you act and the way you speak will impact on your children. We don't, we don't live in isolation. We're not journeying with God in isolation. We're journeying with God together as a people. Because the decisions you make have a massive impact on other people around you. For good and for bad. To bless and build up, to tear down or to destroy. We're a people, we're a community together. And whether we like it or not, that's just the case. That's how God's designed society to work. Joshua was on a journey. And the decisions he made and the things he said and and, and the things he did had an impact on Israel. And it was the same for that nation at that time. I think this is something we need to grasp hold of. What I do with the life God has entrusted to me will have an impact on many around me today. What you do, it will have an impact on many around you today. But not only in the immediate, it will also echo through eternity. There's an echo to our lives that goes on long after we've done the things we've done, long after we've disappeared. There's an echo. There's an echo to our lives. It was true for Joshua, it was true for Barnabas, and it's true for us as a people as well. Let me tell you about a man. He's got an echo. This man I'm going to tell you about, an example from church history. There was a man who lived about 150 years ago called Hudson Taylor. At that time, China was largely unaffected by the gospel. And the reason it was largely unaffected by the gospel is because no one had ever gone to tell people about Jesus Christ. They didn't know about Jesus, therefore they could not respond. By the time Hudson Taylor died, he'd spent 51 years in China. See, God called him to a journey with him. God called this man, Hudson Taylor, to go on a journey with him. After 51 years on this journey in China, 800 missionaries had gone into that country. 125 Christian schools had been established. There had been 18,000 conversions to the gospel. 300 mission stations had been set up in 18 provinces. Why? because China needed the gospel, and Hudson Taylor believed he could make a difference. That's why. What he did had a profound impact on those that God sent him to. This is what he said. I think this is a deeply touching quote. If I had a thousand pounds, China should have it. If I had a thousand lives, China should have them. No, not China, but Christ. Can we do too much for him? Can we do enough for such a precious saviour? The effect of this man's life didn't just last for a few weeks, a few months or even a few decades. Let me read to you the echo of this man's life. Written in the Times last year, March the 28th, 2009. One billion souls to save. Christianity in China is booming. 
with 100 million believers, far more than the 74 million member Communist Party. Jesus is a force to be reckoned with in the People's Republic. We talk to a new faithful who loved China, but love God more. Can you hear the echo? Can you hear the echo? A man who sold everything to follow Christ. Can you hear the echo? Decades, decades later, the impact he has had in that nation. Didn't have immediately, wasn't an immediate impact, but there certainly has been an impact. In a nation where there, isn't, there is no God, a hundred million believe in Christ are telling many others. Let's, uh, let's have a look at Joshua. When I started first started preparing this, I thought I was going to do the whole of chapter one. I think now I'd be lucky if I do the first three verses, but we're... We'll see how we do. The context for this, and I've mentioned it already, is that Joshua was on a journey with God. Joshua and two million people were camped on one side of a large river called the River Jordan. Generations before, and even very recently, God had promised Israel that the land where they were standing now, but also land on the other side of the Jordan River, would be theirs. It was called the promised land. The Jordan was in full flood. It was harvest time. Not a good time to try and cross a river when it's at full flood. Moses, who had been leading that nation for 40 years, had just died and Joshua was the new leader. And it's in this, at this time, God speaks to Joshua and starts talking to him about what he has got promised for Israel. And really all I want to look at this morning, and I did have uh, uh, three headings, we're just going to look at the first one. I want to look at God talks, because I think that's the best place for us to start as a church. It's the best place for us to start as, as we're looking to see what, what has God got for us. Before we start anything, before we go anywhere, it's always good to know what is God saying. And before Joshua crossed the Jordan, God spoke. God spoke. And the first thing we find that God says is he reiterates his promises to his people. Moses has died, Joshua is now the new leader, and God reiterates the promises that he has made. He made these promises to a man called Abraham who lived centuries before, his son Isaac and Jacob. He had reiterated them to Moses and the generation that he served. Before Joshua gets going again, he reiterates promises again. I have promises for you. I have promises, and they weren't Joshua promises as we're going to see, they were Israel's promises. They were promises for the nation. They were promises for God's people. God had purposes. God had a journey for them to walk in, and he wanted to remind them of what God had for them. These promises were not just for Moses, they weren't just for Joshua, they were for Israel. In Exodus 2, verse 25, it says this, So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned for them. The very reason why Israel had been set free from Egypt, where they'd been enslaved for 400 years, was God had concern for his people. It wasn't that Moses had his own sort of personal ambition, 
or Joshua, but God had a plan for Israel. His chosen people. He had concern for them. These promises given to past generations, and now God says they're still true for you, Joshua, and this generation. There are vast, big geographical gains, far beyond Israel's ability to achieve on their own. But there are big promises in there, aren't they? We've read them earlier. What are some of the things it says? I will give you, verse 3, every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Now, God is speaking to Joshua in these things, but, but, but the whole thing of where you set your foot, it wasn't just where Joshua set his foot, it's where the people where Israel set their foot, where God's people walked, where they thought God would give them that land. Can you see? And I want to, I'm hoping I'm able to communicate this effectively, that these promises here weren't promises just for one man, they were promises for a nation. And it's the same for us actually here in Hastings. The promises given to past leaders or to past generations, or even promises you're carrying in your heart now, They're not not for one person, but they're for the church. And they're for the town. That God would do us good. That God would see our town reached with the gospel. That promises over numerical growth weren't promises just given to maybe a Don or a John in the past. But they were given to his people. Because you are God's chosen people here. And therefore they stand firm if God has promised. Promises to see our town impacted by the gospel, but promises to see influence and change taking place. These aren't, aren't promises just, just for an individual, they're promises for us to see things happen. And if God spoke them, then they're as true today as when he spoke them. When Jesus was born, Mary would have heard a lot of promises. He would have heard, she would have heard a lot of amazing things said. And she probably wouldn't have seen most of these coming into fruition for at least 30 years. And even when they did start coming into fruition, they probably didn't look as she expected that they would look. But this is what it said about the promises that God gave to her. But his mother, Mary, treasured all these things in her heart. She treasured them. And this is how I've described it. I think she was actively watching to see what God was doing. She treasured them in her heart. She didn't, I don't think, carry them as an undue pressure, but she treasured them in her heart, waiting to see if what God has spoken, will he bring it about? I'll I'll respond, but, but God, you are the initiator. And I think that's a good way. I think that's a good way to handle the things God has spoken to us. I believe we've got promises from God for growth, influence, change in our town and the towns round about. I think we've got a gospel responsibility wider than Hastings and St. Leonard's to see Jesus proclaimed and to see souls saved. 
I know in our DNA we've got a desire to see families changed, haven't we? And there are testimonies of those life change stories here. To see individuals set free. To see physical and emotional healings. To see streets transformed by the power of the gospel. I think we've got that in our heart. Might be one house at a time. One household at a time. But over time we suddenly see, wow, this is a different place to live. This is a different place to bring up my children. Because the gospel has broken in. To see the poor reached. To see other nations, those in our town, but also those that Lynn and Lawrence and Christine, they're serving, to see them affected with the gospel as well. These things, I think, are in our hearts. And if God's put them there, as we look to respond to him and obey him, in practical, down-to-earth ways often, I believe God brings the increase and God brings the blessing and God brings the change. This is not the full extent of the plans that God has got for us. It isn't. There is much more for us here in Hastings and for this church specifically. This is a morning where God by his spirit wants to lift our gaze, lift our eyes again. Faith to rise. This building is too big for us at the moment, but I don't believe it will always be too big for us. Sometimes in leaders' meetings, me and Max say, it's a shame the auditorium's not a little bit smaller. I wonder, I wonder if one day we'll be saying, why is this auditorium not a bit bigger? We serve a big God. We need our vision, our eyes to be raised. Faith to be put into our hearts. I was then going to talk about what God says to Joshua specifically. He tells him to be strong and courageous three times. I think God wants to communicate something to Joshua. Probably because he knows he's going to need to be strong and courageous. And that's true for us. It's true for me. If we're going to see anything happen in this town, beyond where we are now, we're going to need to be a strong and courageous people. Because we're going to have many Jordans to cross, many Jerichos to take, and we'll probably face a few AIs as well, where things go badly. But we have to be strong and courageous. Why? Because God is with us. Joshua is reminded that he is to lead the people to inherit the land. Good, strong, persistent, God-centred leadership is important in times of growth and in times of God's promise. And then Joshua is warned, be careful to obey the law that Moses gave you. Although they were a people of the presence of God, they'd enjoyed the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, what, what, what um, God is keen to remind uh, Joshua is, do not depart from this. Do not depart from this book. 
And he's actually very prescriptive if you read it, and I'll read it at another time. We haven't got time this morning, but he says, oh, well, actually I'll do it anyway. Be careful to obey all the law. Don't turn to it from the left or the right. Don't let it depart from your mouth. What does that mean? I think he said, Joshua, keep talking about the things that I talk about in this book. Keep reminding everyone and remind one another. Don't let it depart. This is important. Meditate on it day and night. What does that mean? Who who fancies giving a stab at what that means? What does it mean to meditate on it day and night? Yes, well done. It means read it and think about it in the morning and read it and think about it in the afternoon. And in, sorry, no, in the evening. In the night, that's right. Be careful to do everything written in it. And then it comes with a promise. If you do, you will be... Shout it out. I don't know what Bibles you're reading. You will be... I don't know what Bible I'm reading. (laughs) Who knows, I can't jolly find it in here anyway. Well, look. Anyway, what I wrote down was successful and prosperous, yeah? Yeah. You can't, you see, you can't swap the words around, I'll get confused. But, but, but the serious point is this, it's a, can you see here, that's a conditional promise. The success and the prospering come on the back of Joshua committing himself to the word of God. If Joshua does not commit himself to the word of God, they will not be successful and prosperous. And there are many conditional promises in the Bible that as grace-filled Christians, we often just read and assume they're there. They're ours. They're not ours if we don't do what was written before. If you don't read the Bible, you won't grow. You won't. If I don't do my exercises for my bad leg, it won't get better, as you can see. However much I intend to do them, however much I have great intention when I go to see the physio, and the physio tells me to do them. If I don't do them, I won't get better. If we don't read the Word of God and commit ourselves to it, we will not stay true to the Word of God, but we must do, because it's life, it's salvation, it's hope for Hastings. So we are committed to that. And sometimes people will leave us because we say, this is what the Bible says, therefore this is what we're teaching, this is what we're going to do in our church. Some people won't like that. And they will go. But that's right that they go. Some will join us because we do that as well. But we will not deviate from what we believe this book says because it's life for us. And at the end of God speaking, Joshua responds. So Joshua ordered the officers and the people, and he says, get ready, because we're going to cross the Jordan. There is always a go with God. If you are in a relationship with God, you, you will totally agree with what I'm about to say, and it's this, if you are actively walking with God, there are times when God tells you to do stuff. You're, it's not just enough for our walk with God to be um, purely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? No, not passive. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But it's not enough just to be intellectual. It's not just enough to be... It's, it, it takes action. It takes a working out. God, if God speaks to us because we're his people, he expects us to go. And for Joshua and the people of Israel, he spoke to Joshua, then Joshua says to the people, his response isn't, oh, I'm going to worship God. 
or I'm going to pray about it, or I'm just going to let it settle. No, his response is he goes and he orders the people, we're crossing the Jordan. Now is a time to go. Get your things ready. I know you've just put on your casserole, but you've got to put it, take it off the fire. We're getting ready. We're packing up to go. Get your sandwiches ready. Unpack your tents up. Get your food ready. What about schooling and stuff like that? No, we're interrupting schooling for three days. We are now going. It's now time to cross the Jordan. It's now time to go. And there is a sense of that um, often in what God calls. He, he, he's not happy with people who sort of listen and just listen. He's expecting a response from his people. And this morning is a time for us to go. A time for us to cross. It's a time for us to make a difference. Both for this church and for Hastings at large. As we give our money that we're going to do in just a few moments, we're going to make a difference. Some of you, God has blessed with great resources. So I will take a moment for a special mention to you. God is giving you an opportunity this morning to be exceedingly generous with the resources God has given to you. Because there are some here who haven't got many resources. I imagine when it came to Israel Israel crossing the Jordan, the strong ones helped the weak. The strong ones took a double load to get over the Jordan because the weaker ones just weren't unable to do so. That's how community works. We're on a journey together. And for some of us, you've come with a figure in mind that you're going to give this morning and God may well prompt you to say, no, do twice as much. Not not, not for any other reason, though, you're covering someone that is not able to do that this morning. They would love to. They're with us in heart. They're giving all that God has placed on their heart and that is right, but you're in a position to give more because you can help carry someone else's load across the Jordan this morning. At other times, they will carry your load in prayer, in helping hold your hands up in strength, maybe when financially things aren't as good. That's how the Bible works. That's a great thing about being in God's community, is that we can cover one another. It matters what we do with our lives. It matters for us, It matters for God's glory and it matters for those who are around us because we have an impact upon them. This morning, you can make a difference. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before we got to this gift day, God had prepared it. And he's been preparing you. And there's good works to be done this morning. I am labouring it, but I make no apology. Because finance releases ministry and brings change. And so I ask you, I don't want you to give under compulsion or feeling that Paul's got both my arms up my back. Normally he just has one. But I want you to do it cheerfully and generously because that's how God would give it. That's how God would have it. Can I ask the band to come back up, please? You know, with Hudson Taylor, can you remember what I said about Hudson Taylor? Let me read out some of these facts and figures again with Hudson Taylor.
He spent 51 years in China. He saw 800 missionaries, 125 schools, 18,000 conversions, 300 mission stations in 18 provinces. If you'd like to stand on your feet, please, that'd be great. The thing is, though, it wasn't just Hudson Taylor, was it? How many of those 18,000 did Hudson Taylor lead to Christ? How many schools did he personally set up? How many mission stations in how many provinces was it that Hudson Taylor did? I wouldn't have thought it was very many, but there were an army of 800 missionaries that went behind him. Some of them didn't even make it off the boat. Some of them didn't even make it off the boat. The boat sank on the way out to China, but they went. They went. Together as a community, we have an opportunity to make a big difference. We're going to now worship God. Actually, we're going to worship Jesus Christ because it's all about him anyway. As we do that, and if you're here as a couple, I'd love you just to take 20 seconds to look at each other and ask a question. Are we giving the right amount? If you're here on your own, take just 20 seconds. Am I responding in faith this morning? There are IOU forms in the update, so if you've come with a cheque, well prepared, but you may want to give more via IOU. Megamix is going to come back in in a few moments because I want us as a whole family to be involved. If you've got children in Wrigley's, if I could ask you to um, go and collect your children um, now. And let's set our focus on God now. We're going to worship him and then I'll lead you through in a few moments' time. Amazing generosity to us. Thank you for your cross. Thank you, Jesus Christ, you died for us. Lord, we say, if the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Lord, we worship you today. We praise you. We give you the glory and the honour. Our beautiful Lord Jesus Christ, our champion, our saviour, who gave so much for us. We love you, Lord God. Why don't we give him a round of applause and just give exalt his name. I think most of the children are in now. We're going to take our offering as we normally do at these things. There are two boxes at the front, one on my left, one on my right. Um, We're going to praise God as we take the offering and uh, just enjoy him and his goodness and his grace. And uh, so if you just want to come forward as you want to, put your gifts and your offerings in and we will praise God and exalt him.